Welcome to Follow to Lead, where we discover how to listen for and follow God's call so that we might lead others to God. Our shared stories of inspiration from religious leaders and those active in the educational ministry of the church can help you know better how God is calling you and the role passionate Catholic education plays in spreading His message of faith, hope, and love. Now please welcome the hosts of Follow to Lead, Father Randy Sly and Kyle Pietrantonio. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Christ the teacher, teach us to listen, teach us to do the deep listening to the sounds of our soul, waiting to hear your voice calling us to cast out deeper, to become fishers of men and women, shepherds of souls, to follow your will in order to lead others to the truth, beauty, and goodness only you can offer. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Uh, amen. Uh, welcome to Follow to Lead, a journey twice a month into the world of Catholic education, exploring what it means to follow God in order to lead others to Him. I'm Kyle Pietrantonio, your co-host. And I'm Father Randy Sly, and uh, this is going to be a very special program. We're talking with Jonathan Weiss, a production and content specialist for Catholic documentary films. Currently, he is the producer for The Mass of the Ages, a documentary trilogy that explores the richness of the traditional Latin Mass and investigates the surprising events that led to, to the creation of the new Mass. And uh, this series of programs was already in production prior to Pope Francis' motu proprio Traditionis Custodes, so I know this will be a very interesting program. Jonathan is an alumnus of Franciscan University in Steubenville. He resides in Texas with his wife and five children. When not working on a new film project, he can often be found camping with his boys or line dancing with his wife, something we will not invite him to do while on the program today. But Jonathan, welcome to Follow to Lead. Thank you so much, Father Randy. Thanks, Kyle. Excited to be here. Excited to be talking about the intersection of uh, the Latin Mass and homeschooling and education. Uh, we ourselves are in the homeschooling foray, although very much neophytes as we are neophytes in the Latin Mass too. So you'll have to excuse my, uh, the early stages we are in of uh, navigating this, this world, both of traditional Catholicism and homeschooling. Well, Jonathan, we're super thrilled to have you on the program. Um, and as we begin uh, our conversation today, as, as we do with, with all of our guests, we like to unpack a little bit about your own upbringing and you know, how you've discerned God's will for you in your life to do this uh, ministry in, in Catholic documentary filmmaking. So if you could just tell us a bit about your own upbringing, uh, where sure. you're from. Yeah, so I grew up in Steubenville in the shadow of the university. Uh, my parents were alumnus and they decided to stay there. And there was a covenant uh, charismatic community that formed around the university around that time. So I grew up there in, in Steubenville and um, uh, I wanted uh, desperately to go away to school, <clears throat> but the university offered what I really wanted, which was an experience of missionary work uh, abroad. And they offered a numerous trips uh, traveling around the country. Someone who grows up in a small town in the Rust Belt, you have uh, constantly dreams and aspirations of seeing the rest of the world and imagining how exotic places are that you've never been. So I, I had a desire to do missions. I got to do my first mission trip when I was 14 to Mexico. 
and it just lit a fire under me to want to do more missionary work. So my, my college years were, were very heavily uh, involved in, in lay missionary work over my, you know, Christmas break, spring break, summer breaks, uh, spent some time in Ecuador one summer. And then um, from that, I started doing full-time missionary work and that's where I met my wife. So I was working with an organization, Family Missions Company out of Louisiana. And I traveled, uh, spent two years working with them in the mission field, mostly living in Mexico. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my, my upbringing. My, my Catholic faith has always been, you know, cradle Catholicism, although there's certainly been lots of moments of uh, constant conversion. I think for me growing up, the, um, the Franciscan idea of ongoing conversion was very much ever present to me because never left the faith. Um, you know, I had great, great parents and grandparents and, and extended family that were all living the faith really, really, uh, you know, vibrantly. And so I had great examples of, of what the faith should look like. And it was just always a, a mode of, uh, reversion of continually converting and, and coming to the Lord. So yeah, it was a, it was a great upbringing. It was, um, one that was, very, um, very much formed by uh, Catholic teaching as well in terms of I was homeschooled um, from like K to eight and then did Catholic high school there in Steubenville and had a really, really great formation in um, what is, you know, Catholic tradition and, and um, you know, just all of that. Jonathan, with this background in missions and kind of getting out into the world, how did you uh, find yourself getting into the world of video production? That's a great question. Yeah. So in college, I studied history and theology, mm. Spanish. I really wanted to be a missionary. And when I got to the mission field, I started seeing all these people uh, who had just these incredible stories, people we were ministering to or the missionaries I was working alongside of. And I wanted to document that. And I started at first as a child of two photographers, uh, just photographing. So I was photograph, um, you know, the ministries we were working with, the people that we were serving and my mission partners. And then what happened was I started seeing the medium of video and realizing, wow, like you could do so much more. Like a picture can say maybe a, a thousand words, but if you're doing like 24 frames per second, I mean, it's like, you know, there's such a. Uh, capacity for reaching people through video. And that was about the time that video was starting to become very popular with like the advent of the YouTube uh, sort of generation and people, you know, filming on their uh, stills cameras, making videos with stills cameras. So it became more accessible. It was no longer like you had to be uh, in broadcast journalism in order to have access to a camera and film something. So I started um, kind of pursuing that a little bit, little by little and, and teaching myself. And I really wanted to see, uh, you know, I was seeing a lot of like, I, I was working also in youth ministry at the time and was seeing a ton of resources with video that were made by Protestants, but I was seeing very few that were really engaging and exciting in at that time. Thankfully, uh, there's a lot more now, but at that time there was very few Catholic, um, there was very few Catholic video options. And so I was, you know, man, there's just a void that needs to be filled here. And I kind of got the bug to, to get into that. So it was a, it was a process of, um, you know, a couple of years learning and teaching myself. And then I was able to work with a production company in Alabama, a Catholic production company. And we worked on, um, almost exclusively Catholic content, which was super awesome. It was a, it was a real gift to be able to uh, learn the industry with a Catholic, you know, worldview and making Catholic content that I was really proud of 
um, like the Wild Goose uh, documentary series on the Holy Spirit that I was able to uh, be a part of, as well as a, a feature length documentary on St. Francis, uh, Sign of Contradiction. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of how I got into filmmaking. And, um, and then that became a, a job, you know, it became a career that was viable. I was seeing my peers were working in this space full time. And I was like, wow, this is actually a real thing. It's not like just a hobbyist thing. And now, Jonathan, you have this growing hit uh, in the social media YouTube sphere uh, called Mass of the Ages. Episode one is now out of a, of a trilogy. We always can glean a lot from a Genesis story. Tell us where the seed of this idea uh, to do a video documentary over three parts about the traditional Latin mass yeah, so uh, Cameron and I met at a conference. Uh, it was a conference for Catholic creatives. Uh, it was kind of born out of a Facebook group, and uh, it happened in Dallas. This would have been twenty, I think, twenty eighteen, uh, maybe it's twenty seventeen even. And we kind of hit it off. And I was at the time sort of learning a little bit about traditional Catholicism and the Latin Mass. We still hadn't yet taken the the leap into actually attending the Latin Mass regularly. But he was at that point in time um, attending it. And he, he told me about some ideas he had to make a documentary about the Latin mass. And um, we started working together on some other projects, um, some, some projects for Net Ministries and Why Disciple, which is like a curriculum for young, uh, young people, with really beautiful uh, work that they're doing. We were able to do some, some really awesome stuff. And as we were working on those things, we started this conversation of like, what would it look like to make a documentary about the Latin mass? How would we do it? And, uh, and then we just started meeting weekly for over a year. I think we were just meeting weekly, talking about it. We were investigating what, you know, who we might feature, how we might get access to, to different folks. What are, what would be the best method to, to tell these stories and highlight, you know, the beauty of the mass kind of what is our, uh, our brand look like. And we had a lot of great conversations with folks that were traditional Catholics who said, you know, you need to rebrand traditional Catholicism. There's this, this these generalizations that it's, you know, um, the stereotype that it's angry people and uh, they're judgmental and, you know, it's, it's a very uninviting place. And we really needed to flip the narrative and show, look, this is a really joyful, vibrant, youthful, exciting place to be. This is a place where the faith is really taken seriously, but it's lived joyfully and uh, kind of flip that narrative on its head. So that was a lot of the beginning was just that stage of research, uh, Cameron was writing a lot, reading and, and studying. And then we launched the Kickstarter and we just had an, uh, that was last year around, you know, um, July of last year. It was an incredible, the response we got from people that wanted to be a part of this and wanted to support it, wanted to prayerfully support it, wanted to financially support it, wanted to get behind it and share about it. So that was just an, it was a overwhelming response really. So I, I like the idea that you had of rebranding. That's kind of a unique concept when you think of more of a traditional Catholicism. What, what kind of ingredients do you see that are necessary? You talked about, of course, the stereotypes. What are the things that, uh, in addition to the joyfulness of it and things like that, are there other aspects of uh, the traditional Latin mass that you really wanted people to kind of uh, begin to maybe savor for the first time? Yeah, for sure. We wanted the beauty to be front and center. I think that it's, um, we've noticed that in a lot of ways, it's hard. We, we live in a space where there's a lot of catechesis opportunities, but um, 
people are, it kind of falls on deaf ears sometimes, especially uh, we are, you know, we trying to instill a Eucharistic amazement and, and, and deepen the Eucharistic faith. And I think um, catechesis is awesome, but the problem is, is that in our postmodern secular culture, it's vi- there's a lot of deaf ears to the truth. And so having to go at it from uh, beauty, first and foremost, and kind of wow people with, you know, the Latin mass is beautiful. It's, it's, um, it's rich in, in these visuals, the smells, the bells, um, just all that kind of goes into that was really like front and center for us. We have to show people beauty because if they, if they don't see it as beautiful, um, then, then really like any sort of catechesis we give on the Latin mass or any sort of, um, truth that we, you know, put in there, it's, it's going to be kind of lost on them early on. We said, you know, someone is going to make this film. So, so like this film is going to get made. Um, we could just sense that there was a, a movement towards, uh, you know, this, this thing getting created, but we wanted to be the ones that, that created it. And when we first sat down, we kind of made a, a brand manifesto, like, what is it that we want people to know? Like, um, what are the things that are non-negotiable, you know, that the mass is beautiful, that there are holier people that attend the Novus Ordo than us. There are holy priests that celebrate the Novus Ordo. There's, you know, uh, we wanted to like lay out, this is our, our case for the Latin mass so that people could understand, you know, right away when they came to our Kickstarter early on. And then later when they came to, um, our website or, you know, watch the first, uh, the first episode, we wanted them to be sure that they took away these things that, um, we were not seeking to divide the church, uh, between camps of people. That was very much a film that we wanted to present the beauty of the Latin mass and invite people to experience it, but we're not seeking to, to, you know, create more disunity in the church, which is something that's, you know, a very real thing. It's, it's, a uh, it's frustrating. There's just, there is so many different camps within the church that, you know, find this, you know, backbiting and infighting. And we really wanted to, you know, try to transcend that and, uh, invite people from, at every, every, you know, kind of place in Catholicism to experience it. Jonathan, we mentioned the video, the film is a trilogy. And right now, part one, episode one is available. It's out there. You can go to YouTube and search Mass of the Ages and uh, watch it um, for, for free. It's about 45, 50 minutes, if I recall correctly. Um, and then we've got two uh, other parts we're waiting uh, for. Can you can give us a sense of of why you divided the the project uh, in this way, and and what each of the three parts is dedicated to? Sure. So the very first episode. Well, originally we had thought we would make a feature length documentary. It'd be ninety minutes, and you'd have to sit down and dedicate ninety minutes to it. But what we came to understand after we sort of strung out a very rough edit and we watched it as a team was that. Um, what we wanted to do was first invite people into the beauty of the Latin mass and then secondarily instruct people in how uh, we came to have this new mass and what happened, you know, historically. And then thirdly, we wanted to explain how we felt like the, the Latin mass is, res- is doing a restoration of the church, how it's increasing people's devotion to the Eucharist and how um, in many ways we think that it's part of the solution, not, not the only thing, but it's part of the solution to this really big crisis of faith. So, uh, then when we saw that and we saw how we that was kind of divided amongst three episodes, it allowed us to make something, at least with episode one, something that's very, um, uh, it's very easy to share with others. Uh, it's not like a 90 minute uh, time commitment. So like you said, it's 45 minutes. Someone can sit down and watch it um, with their friends, uh, you know, before uh, sharing dinner. You can watch it at your parish. 
Um, you can watch it in your school. You can show it to school children. It's, it's very, uh, it's an easy kind of uh, place to be. And then it also fits within like a, a traditional tele television market as well. So a little bit easier to, to market it to a wider audience of like, hey, this is fits in a time slot. So from a lot of ways, it was like very obvious the Holy Spirit wanted it to be uh, broken up as a trilogy. And uh, each episode also kind of carries with one particular person's story. So with episode one, if you've watched it, you'll uh, meet Christine and her family and uh, kind of follow along with them. And then in subsequent episodes, there's gonna be an individual who, uh, a character whose story you're kind of following along with. And uh, their story helps kind of drive the narrative that allows the experts who are speaking into the, the more truth kind of elements of um, uh, the Latin mass, what it is objectively, how it, how it kind of functions and all that. Uh, the story allows it to be really, you know, driven along that. You know, in the first, uh, your first film, Jonathan, I was intrigued because I anticipated that the beginning of the film would basically be kind of lauding the, uh, the traditional Latin mass and kind of going into the liturgy. But instead, you introduced us to a family, to Christine and her family. I thought that was a great way to do it in terms of personalizing uh, how the, the mass actually came about in terms of being uh, something that they loved and appreciated. How did you come across uh, that beautiful family? Yeah, with all of the folks that we've featured, it's been very much the spirit guiding us to the people that were supposed to be in this film. Uh, Christine, uh, our social media uh, manager, Jake Tate, he, he interacted with her on Instagram, uh, found her and uh, started having a conversation and said, wow, your story is incredible. Would you be open to chatting with us about, you know, potentially being a part of this film? And then... Um, you know, that conversation led to, you know, further phone conversations. And then we were, you know, soon enough, we were there in Tacoma, Washington, um, filming with, with her beautiful family. And it's been really uh, incredible just to see how God's opened particular doors and guided us to particular people uh, to feature. And, you know, it's in many ways, it's story finding, right? So we're, we don't know exactly how all the pieces are going to go together at the, be at the beginning. You, we can have like an ideal, an ideal for how we would like to see it uh, you know, happen, but, um, with every story that we film with every interview that we film, you know, it's finding how those pieces, how God wants those pieces to fit into, into it. I mean, we've filmed, uh, so many, so many interviews now with some incredible people and not all of it's going to make it into these, you know, 45 minute episodes. So our hope is also to have, um, people to be able to access the the full length interviews. Cause so many of these interviews just have such a wealth of, of things. Like for instance, we interviewed um, Dr. Michael Foley, who's a professor of um, I believe he's a literature professor uh, and uh, classics at uh, Wake uh, in Waco at Baylor university. And we filmed with him and he almost um, exclusively spoke with us about the liturgical calendar, the changes in the liturgical calendar. Um, he has a couple books called uh, drinking with the saints, drinking with your patron saints. So he spoke a lot to, you know, the change of uh, the, the calendar of the saints and uh, the, the stripping of, you know, the Ember days and the Rarade days. And why are we not, um, you know, having some of these uh, traditional celebrations that have been around for, for centuries. So it was, it was cool. We've, we've gotten to, you know, cover so many different angles, so many different uh, aspects of traditional Catholicism that I, you know, growing up as a cradle Catholic, many of these things are brand new to me. 
Can you give us a, a sense, Jonathan, of where uh, you all are in parts two and three in terms of production and release uh, or any sneak peek about the, the particular uh, storytellers uh, that you're going to uh, have us follow in those episodes? Yeah, for sure. So uh, episode two, we hope to release early next year. There'll be a um, national screening release. So uh, a little bit different from our premiere of episode one, which was on YouTube, we're going to have an opportunity for parishes, schools, dioceses, seminaries, anyone really to host screening. There's going to be a few major cities that we're going to be traveling to and bringing the films and, and renting out theaters and having uh, you know panel discussions afterwards. Um, so that'll be episode two. And then episode three, we hope to release summer of next year. So it's, it's kind of a ways off, but we also want to see how um, the motu proprio is implemented around um, the world and, and kind of how that affects um, traditional, traditional communities and document that and, and, and make sure that we, you know, that's included in the film. As far as characters go, um, the uh, episode uh, two, I actually, um, it's still very much in progress. So we're still, uh, a lot of it is actually going to be the historicity of uh, the creation of the new mass. And so a big component of that is uh, actually a lot of animation and a lot of uh, explaining what happened after the council, some of the conversations that were happening. We've been able to interview some folks that actually were living um, and, and in Rome at that time and were secretaries to different cardinals and able to kind of unpack a little bit of how that kind of played out and what the stage was like for um, some of those changes. Great. I found it interesting that just as you premiered uh, your first film that uh, the motu proprio was, uh, you know, distributed by the Holy Father in Rome and uh, called, of course, Tradiciones Custodes. And for those of our viewers and listeners that uh, may not be fully aware, this is, of course, the apostolic letter that uh, I guess some would say restricted the celebration of the Tridentine Mass of the Roman Rite, uh, called by others the Latin Mass or traditional Latin Mass. Uh, by the way, I thought it was interesting, the Latin Mass Society of England and Wales said it this way, that it's concerned with maintaining the pastoral care of officially constituted groups attached to the ancient mass. And I thought that was a great way to kind of soften it or make it into something that is more, uh, you know, uh, unitive, I guess, uh, between the different groups to look at it from the pastoral care side. What, what were your thoughts when all of a sudden this came uh, to the fore when you were uh, releasing uh, this film, what were, what were going through your mind? What was going through your mind? Yeah, for sure. We, we had no idea, obviously no inside, uh, inside knowledge of what was going to happen on June 16th. So when we had set the date of, uh, August the 15th for our, uh, premiere, you know, it was very much, um, we were very much blindsided by, uh, the release of, um, the motu proprio, but, uh, personally, you know, I was very, you know, it's very heartbreaking to um, have to see some of the implementation so far of it and some very um, what seems to be harsh implementation that's prevented the the um, usage of the old rite or the Latin mass um, the extraordinary form as Pope Benedict called it for myself you know that first weekend after the release of it which was on a Friday that Sunday it was very palatable feeling of uh of grief at our parish not knowing what the future would hold for for our own diocese in latin mass um i think uh i've been encouraged 
though, by the, the response of the faithful so far, which has been, uh, you know, our mass has been overwhelmingly packed uh, since then. And uh, some would say the release of our film, uh, we couldn't have kind of landed a better gig to uh, have publicity around uh, <laughs> this film, kind of getting it to the forefront of a lot of people's minds who may, may or may not have watched the film before the motor proprio was released. Because our, our desire from the get-go was really for people, not necessarily who already attend the Latin Mass, to watch this film, although I'm sure, you know, they they love it. And we've received so much positive feedback from those that are our donors. But the, the hope was ultimately that we would be able to put this film in front of people who had maybe never experienced the Latin Mass, people who maybe had experienced Latin Mass as a child, but um, there wasn't a, a great amount of catechesis around what it was. And so there was, you know... Um, some hesitancy to ever return to it. And then young people who have never experienced it and who, you know, uh, kind of run across it and then say, wow, like, I really, I really appreciate the, this. And, um, you know, this brings me a lot of, um, a lot of peace and, and really enlivens my faith. So just exposing people to the fact that it is still, you know, it's not abrogated. It's, uh, you know, in fact, it's widely available and in, in for a lot of people, which is really awesome. It's it's a blessing that there's so many places that you can attend the Latin Mass currently. Jonathan, you mentioned something that I was curious about. As this uh, trilogy unfolds, are you in conversations or any partnerships with traditional Latin um, Mass parishes to talk about metrics um, that you know uh, might be worth stewarding back out to the church hierarchy um uh you know anecdotally you mentioned your own parish and and you've seen you know an increase and you know the i know that the traditional latin mass parish um 10 minutes from where i live is standing room only um and i think been on the rise there talk to us about how you might use this um video uh, as a catalyst for maybe some deeper uh, discernment um, among church, among decision makers in the church. Yeah, that's, that's an awesome point. I think that the fact that we've gotten such great um, responses from, you know, Bishop Strickland, who is, who's in the film, Bishop Conley, Bishop Briskowitz, um, there's a lot of really, um, uh, it's kind of, we're grateful that they've given us um, their support and that they've been willing to appear in the film and share, you know, how the Latin mass has um, helped them personally in their, their own, um, you know, walk with the Lord. But yeah, I think that, I think that we're at my parish personally is gathering a lot of those metrics. You know, we work, we take attendance each week and we watch kind of, uh, you know, before the pandemic, we had one, one Latin mass um, each week. And then because of the pandemic, we had to split into two and then it stayed uh, two masses now for the last 18 months. And uh, I mean, both masses are full. And uh, the next question is what happens after, you know, two masses do you, is there a third, you know, the church that we're in is, is small and, uh, and only seats so many. So, you know, I think that's, we're definitely seeing that. And I think a lot of parishes around the, the country, especially in the U S I can't necessarily speak to other places, but they're keeping those, those metrics. They're watching the growth that's happening. You know, we went to uh, filmed with, uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in Littleton, Colorado, and they said they they're uh, 
parish doubled in size over the last you know year and a half um like literally doubled and they're taking the the back wall of the church and they're now moving it out into the parking lot they're they're trying to double the seating that they have available to them and they have masses throughout all day on sunday i mean it's like there's constantly masses going on so i think that we're seeing we're definitely seeing a resurgence in traditional catholicism and interest in um in attending the Latin mass, uh, whether you attend every week or you attend occasionally because it kind of, uh, enlivens, you know, your faith, uh, at your parish, wherever that is, but there's definitely a growth. And there was, there's a number of studies. I can't remember who, who did them exactly, but where they studied not only the, the metrics of growth in, in the parish, but also the adherence to church teaching and found, you know, just a, a, a really like stark contrast in, um, adherence to, you know, the church's teaching on birth control, the church's teaching on homosexuality, the church's teaching on euthanasia, uh, divorce, remarriage, all these kinds of things. So I think what we've seen is, um, in addition to being joyful places, they're also authentically Catholic places, these traditional communities, they're, they're communities that are adhering to all the truths of the church and are really like, you know, uh, in many ways, they're, they're these places where there's a ton of um, growth and, uh, people coming to the faith for the first time, you know, we went and filmed at St. John Cantius and we, we interviewed a number of people that were converts to Catholicism. They walked through the door of the church, kind of stumbled upon, uh, the beauty of the mass and they were converted by the beauty of it. And then they came to, you know, then be converted to the truth of the church and, you know, the, the truth, the truths of the church and the fact that they had been living outside of, outside of that, you know, there was a gal who was, who was an atheist and they've had, you know, people who were Satanists go and, um, you know, walk in and experience that and just be, you know, cut to the heart. Now I'm a priest with the personal ordinary of the chair of St. Peter, which is the, uh, the non-geographic diocese for, uh, Anglicans now that are in the Catholic church and the divine worship missile, our liturgy, uh, many people go to that liturgy and say, oh my goodness, this is just like the extraordinary form in English because we have the prayers at the foot of the altar, the collect for purity, those types of things. Uh, have you um, had any discussions or contact with any of the ordinary groups? Yeah, absolutely. We've had a ton of uh, folks that attend the Anglican Ordinary that have been both donors and supporters of the film, but also have been, you know, championing us and cheering us on. I'd love to see us make an episode at some point in time about the, the Anglican Ordinariate. I, myself, uh, personally, when we lived in Houston a number of years ago, we would attend Our Lady of Walsingham frequently and just found uh, such, you know, comfort in the beauty of that, that liturgy. And uh, yeah, so I, I see a lot of crossover between um, these groups that are maybe more traditionally uh, liturgical, traditional, uh, <laughs> liturgically traditional, and uh, a lot of crossover, you know, friends that have, that maybe they move because of a job and they were, they grew up in the Anglican ordinary, but now they live somewhere that they don't have access to it. So they attend the Latin mass and vice versa. I see a lot of that happening. Jonathan, do you know if our Holy Father has seen episode one yet, uh, or is there a plan to uh, uh, get it to him? I'd love, I'd love for him to see it. Yeah, we should see if they, maybe they'll do a, a a premiere at the Synod of Bishops or something. Right, it'd be awesome. Um, we we would love for him to see it. Uh, we actually um, we've I'm trying to think if we've sent the film to him. We've we've reached out. We've corresponded. You know, uh, written a letter asking if 
he would want to appear in the in the film and also to um uh pope emeritus benedict as well which he he declined but wrote a very nice letter back to us uh detailing that he was praying for for our endeavor so that was very encouraging did you uh find in your uh as you interviewed some of the bishops that um they had this uh, the idea that perhaps this might be kind of a grassroots uh kind of echo of what the people really wanted that might actually make its way back up to the Vatican? You know, I, th- I think so. I think that they, the bishops that we did interview, their diocese are seeing just uh, explosive growth in their churches. Um, they're seeing explosive growth in their Catholic schools. And uh, they're seeing a lot of people move to their, their diocese because of the, um, the faith that's being lived out there. And, um, you know, I think that is a testament to those bishops' uh, fidelity to to the church and her teachings, and um, so yeah, I think I think so. I mean, they they all spoke very eloquently about um, if we if we don't give people you know what they need, then they're they're going to leave the church, and so I think they're really they're seeking to make available to their their parishes to their dioceses. Um, make available the, the true, you know, faith of, uh, of our Lord. And I think all the ones that we featured, they just, you can tell when you speak with them, they, they have a devotion to the Eucharist, um, that is just paramount and it drives everything that they do. It drives their, their whole lives. And that to me is, um, was very apparent in, in meeting them and interviewing with them. They just, they love our Lord and they want to see his, uh, his kingship and, and his reign and the hearts of, of their people that they shepherd. Jonathan, we obviously are a part of a global church and, you know, you through your work on this film have a, have a, a strong sense of what's happening with the traditional Latin mass um, stateside. Uh, what's your sense in other regions of the world, um, the way the traditional Latin mass is, is being received or, um, and then related to that, in your opinion, what, um, was behind Pope Francis's decision with this document, um, uh, this past summer? Yeah, I would say, um, the U S and France, this is just cursory sort of knowledge are two of the biggest sort of um, places that since the motu proprio sumorum pontificum by Benedict XVI, they've seen the most growth in in the Latin Mass um, in their countries in their diocese. Now the Latin Mass is definitely growing in in Asia. Um, you know we've subtitled the film in I don't know I think it's in fifteen or sixteen languages, mostly because thanks to uh, volunteers that have taken the time to translate. Um, the film. I mean, we could pay to have it translated and subtitled, but unfortunately, so much of the language is very particularly Catholic, very particularly mm-hmm. unique to to what we're doing. So we needed people that understood the lexicon and vocabulary. So it's been amazing to see the response of non-English speaking uh, traditional Catholics that have given to the film, that have um, you know that are attending Latin Mass parishes uh, where they live, and. Uh, in Africa, for instance, there's there's a, a massive growth in the traditional uh, traditional mass. But as far as um, the motivation behind the the apostolic uh, letter, the motu proprio, I really I don't know um, what the motivation is. Besides, you know, what he says is uh, a desire to unify the church, and I I think um, from what I've heard lately is 
there was a there was some surveys done um, of the bishops of the world about the Latin Mass and its implementation and um, sort of the groups. And I think in a similar way to like Catholic Twitter, if you get on there and you start digging down the rabbit hole and you find maybe a lot of very vocal um, mad trads or, or uh, you know, sort of stereotypical traditionalists, uh, you, you might come to think that the Latin Mass and its community is very divisive and disunifying. But I think what like I said before, what I found is the vast majority of traditional Catholics maybe aren't even on Twitter. You know, it's it's that the <laughs> the the stereo the stereotype the generalization is uh, falls very short because it's only like the one percent that is like very vocal and is um, very active uh, online. I I wouldn't be surprised if a similar thing kind of happens with um, the kind of response that he might be hearing only the bad news, hearing only the, the negative sort of, oh, these people are, you know, they're, they're very difficult to deal with and this, that, and the other thing. And I think what happens is like, when I first experienced the Latin mass, I found, I was like, wow, this is a, such a priceless treasure. Like the story in the gospel, he, you know, the man goes, sells all that he has to buy the field so that he can have the pearl. Um, I felt that way, you know, that there was this treasure that I had never experienced growing up and that, I wanted my kids to experience. I wanted to be able to go to each and every week. And I felt like it was this pearl of great price that I had lost. And um, I think when you, when you have that experience, it can be, um, I don't want to say easy, but it can be a trap to fall into that you feel like, um, you know, like a frustration about having lost it. And I think that's a normal, a normal emotion to have but that you can galvanize that towards being angry and, and, you know, divisive and seeing other people as other and, and living in that way, or you can galvanize it as, well, I want everyone else to see this. I want everyone else to get to receive this treasure also. And so uh, if we can like galvanize the traditional community to have that mindset of, well, we just want everyone to get to experience this. And uh, if our bishops can see that we're, you know, uh, when, when the Moto Proprio first came out, and it was obviously was very much highlighting that the, the bishops would be making the decisions based on each of their regions, you know, there was just an encouragement, write your, write your bishop a, a positive, encouraging letter, thank him for allowing the traditional mass in, in your diocese, thank him for, um, you know, allowing his priests to celebrate the tra traditional mass, like don't, don't start off the, the bat by writing this angry, uh, visceral, frustrated letter, you know, start off with we're praying for you. We're praying for your decision, for your discernment as you navigate what you do uh, moving forward. And um, I think that would that's going to be way, much better received than um, sort of vitriol. Our mindset from the get-go has always been that uh, St. Francis de Sales says, uh, honey attracts more flies than vinegar, and that these films have to be winsome. That was one of the words that we kind of defined early on was these films have to be winsome. And in order to be win and when they are winsome, then they're going to attract people who maybe are opposed to Latin mass. Um, you know, people that have had a bad experience. In fact, I'll tease out a little bit, uh, in, I think, um, in episode three, we follow a family who, um, their first experience of traditional Catholicism was not a good one. And, uh, we, we were like, you know, we need to include this because it needs to be a critique of those times when we aren't as welcoming as we ought to be. And when we're not, um, you know, reaching out and, and showing that we're just super excited that people are here, even if, you know, maybe uh, they don't fully understand what's, what's uh, you know, what the appropriate dress is maybe, or they don't understand how to behave and in, um, in the traditional mass. And so we said, you know, we need to welcome them. Hey, we're so glad that you're here. We just 
really want to see, um, see you come back again. You know, um, there are people that I have uh, come across that uh, have experienced the, tr the traditional Latin mass, um, have watched your uh, film, et cetera, et cetera. And they came away and they said, we understand the relevance of the extraordinary form of the traditional Latin mass and really love it for the people that, that really embrace it. But I happen to have a love for the ordinary form of the mass, and I think it can be very beautiful. What would you say to those yeah, I would say that's absolutely true. Um, that there that there are beautiful Novus Ordos. I think there was a, um, uh, a an interview recently Cameron had with Father Dwight Longenecker, who's an Anglican priest convert to Catholicism and celebrates a, a very beautiful Novus Ordo, what we like to call a, a unicorn Novus Ordo. Um, and I've experienced them. I think many people have experienced them, and have um, you know it's 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 a great uh, gift to be able to experience like Bishop Conley allows all of his priests to celebrate the mass or at Orientum. And so there's like a, a palatable difference uh, when you go to, to his diocese and you experience the mass there. I think what I've, um, what I've found is that uh, unfortunately it's, it's frequent that we felt like parish orphans. Uh, my wife and I, when we, you know, we were moving quite a bit for different jobs, but we we're also, we were constantly going to different parishes, just hoping that, we would find that that unicorn parish. And what I found with traditional Catholicism and having traveled around the U.S. making this documentary is that um, when you go to the Latin mass, it's consistent across the board. You know, it doesn't matter if it's in a little community chapel on a college campus or if it's in a massive, you know, cathedral basilica. Uh, it's it's consistent across the board. It can be celebrated outside, uh, you know, in the situation where we've had camping trips with my boys at the Troops of St. George. Super beautiful, reverent, um, and it's consistent. And I think that consistency has been for me the biggest comfort because, because of traveling and, and, you know, going to mass in different places and just knowing what you're going to get is what you're going to get with uh, the Latin mass. And uh, that's, that's a real gift. I mean, it's a foundation that um, you don't have to question, oh gosh, is there going to be, you know, some, something uh, at this Novus Ordo that I'm going to be scandalized by, or my kids are going to be scandalized by. And, you know, the, the kids, they, they ask the most innocent questions, but then you realize that, you know, if Lex Arande, Lex Credendi is, is true, you know, the law of prayers, law of belief, when they see something that doesn't jive, you know, they're kind of like, um, you know, I, this hasn't happened to me, but I remember a friend saying, you know, his daughter saw um, uh, some girls altar serving and he, she said to him, you know, someday when I grow up, I'm going to be a priest too. And, uh, you know, he was just sort of struck by this, uh, you know, oh gosh, like, you know, what, what they're seeing is teaching. It's, it doesn't matter how much catechesis we do. Uh, you know, the law of that prayer is, is going to affect all of our belief. Jonathan, uh, part of the motu proprio places some restriction around the formation of, of seminarians around celebrating, you know, this form of the liturgy. Uh, meanwhile, we have, you know, this, uh, trilogy, you know, out in our, our purview now and, and grassroots growth of it. Where do you see the traditional Latin mass in five years time or 10 years time in our church? <laughs> That's a big question. Um, I, I don't have a crystal ball for sure. And, uh, nor would I want to have one cause that would be the occult. Right. But, uh, yeah, in terms of the formation of seminarians, man, it's, it's, a it's hard to know where this kind of goes because a big, a big part of our 
our desire with this film not only was to introduce people to the Latin mass, lay people who attend the Novus Ordo, but also to introduce priests and seminarians to the Latin mass and invite them to consider celebrating it and to hopefully even have resources avail available for them. I know the um, uh, Una Voce Society is one that uh, is really helpful with help getting priests the materials they need to learn the mass and to celebrate it. I, I would hope that um, maybe some of those restrictions would be taken away in time. That's, that's my prayer really is that, you know, maybe that could be rescinded so that um, there's a lot of young men I know that really want to celebrate um, the Latin mass. They want to, uh, they want to be able to offer both forms to their parish in the future. Um, my own parish is that way, you know, that our priests celebrate both forms of, of okay. the mass. So I would hope that that would be, you know, the future for this. I think that what we're going to see for sure is the growth in the uh, institutes the um, the groups that are especially dedicated to the Latin Mass. I think they're, they're already exploding, but I we're going to have to find ways to support them so that they can receive the growth that they're going <laughs> to they're going to have. Now, a, a lot of our um, viewers and listeners, of course, are Catholic educators and administrators in schools across the country. Um, have you had any uh, interaction with Catholic schools in terms of of using uh, the trilogy as a means to introduce maybe the students to a form or and the, uh, uh, basically a form of the mass that most of them may have never experienced? We've definitely, uh, well, we I haven't known of any uh, educators that have used it yet, although, um, you know, our interaction with um, your collaborative has been uh, overwhelming response of wanting to show it. And I think, uh, yeah, I think educators, whether you're teaching a theology class and want to kind of introduce it as an element of the historical sort of um, what the church, uh, where the church comes from, where our liturgy is, is developed from. It's a great resource. It's, um, it's easy to, to show. I mean, it's available online right now. So um, educators can feel free to, to pull it up and, and show it to their classes. I think, um, I think it's a great place uh, to introduce children to what is the traditional mass. My kids uh, obviously have watched it and they, they loved it. Um, I, I don't know why, but for some reason they didn't really have their mind wrapped around what dad did for work until they saw it. And they're like, Oh, I get it now. You make movies. It's like, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's fun to yeah. see their, their excitement around it. And they talk, they bring up different components of the film all the time. Uh, you know, when we're at mass or whatever, like, Oh yeah, I remember in the film, they talked about that. And um, I think it's a, it's a great teaching tool. Um, if anyone wants to help us create some guides around watching the film with school-aged children, we'd love to, to have that help for sure. And if you have thoughts about how it could be best implemented, we're open to that too. And Jonathan, once you wrap up the production and editing of episodes two and three, what's next for you professionally in this Catholic uh, filmmaking space? Yeah, I mean, we would like to continue to make films, uh, Cameron and myself, that increase Eucharistic devotion. I mean, the, the Pew research that came out that said like two thirds of uh, those who are sitting in the pews on Sunday don't believe in the, the real presence. I mean, that's it's a devastating statistic. And to make films that help, uh, you know, people grow in, in Eucharistic devotion and amazement would be a real, uh, a real gift. So I hope that we can use Mass of the Ages and the brand that we've built around it to, to continue to make Catholic films that'll, you know, increase that devotion. Well, and we have some just beacon schools in our collaborative, Jonathan, that um, are, are really glow in the dark when it comes to increasing 
young people's devotion to our Lord and the ways in which they've done that. Um, and so if there's ever an opportunity down the road, if you want to collaborate in the Catholic school space, I think that ought to get on more people's radars about what um, these communions of faith that are in some of our vibrant Catholic schools that are growing are doing um, in the hopes that it becomes a blueprint for more um, Catholic schools across the country and the world, frankly. Absolutely. Yeah, we would love to be a part of that. Well, Jonathan, this has been really <clears throat> a very beautiful time together just to share what you're doing and to kind of hear your heart. As we conclude, is there anything that um, that you would like to say? Maybe you're, you'd like to send a message to our Holy Father. What would you like to say to him right now? Well, you can watch the film at theliturgy.org. So if anyone <laughs> wants to go watch it, if, he, if he's listening to this, I, I hope... He can uh, pull up uh, theliturgy.org. You can go on YouTube and 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 just type in Mass of the Ages. It'll come up as well. Episode one is available to watch now. And uh, subscribe to our emails so that you can find out when uh, episode two is going to come out. Um, definitely want our Holy Father to know that we're praying for him and praying for his health. I know he's been been sick of late. So pray for that. And uh, praying for all our, our, our Catholic students uh, and Catholic schools around, around the country for um, for their educators, you know, in, um, as they, as they work to form young saints in in our time, I mean, it's a, it's a dark time that we're living in, but I, I have faith that faith and hope that the Lord is, is moving mightily in, um, in our schools and, um, with our families as we pursue the Lord and, and pursue his, um, his Eucharistic heart. So, Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I really think that the one thing I really as a takeaway for me is <clears throat> the real sense of unitive uh, nature of your communications that really is at the core of what you're doing, that this isn't about trying to set take sides in the church, but rather to form a, uh, a unity together, no matter whether you are forming uh, a heart for the traditional Latin mass or the Novus Ordo, that we all can live together as Catholics and um, really embrace the things that the God is doing within our faith. So I want to thank you for that heart. That is, that is really beautiful. Amen. And uh, again, thank you, Jonathan Weiss for being with us today and um, for our viewers and listeners, if you haven't done already, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast and be sure to leave a comment and to encourage us in terms of future programming. And we also want to thank our production interns, Alex Shire and Hunter Ruiz, along with our production supervisor, uh, Mr. Jack Alsbach, for producing this podcast. And may Almighty God bless you. We'd like to thank you for joining us on this episode of Follow to Lead, a production of the Duke and Altum Schools Collaborative. To learn more about finding your own path in your journey of faith, or for more information on what we discussed in today's episode, you are invited to follow us on social media and visit us on the web at diaschools.org. To provide a one-time donation or monthly pledge, please visit our website. Your gift will aid us in providing up-to-date information, additional resources, and other support on how to take Catholic education to a higher level. We look forward to helping you follow God's call to lead others to God right here on Follow to Lead.